Kiara. Welcome to Voices of Resilience Radio. Welcome to Voices of Resilience Radio. This show provides real stories of resilience and post-traumatic growth from people like me who have lived through trauma and difficult times during childhood, adolescence, and or adulthood. This show talks about what is strong, not what is wrong. It challenges a deficit approach in therapy and mental health and focuses on a strength-based approach. If you'd like to be part of this show and talk about your story of resilience or post-traumatic growth, please contact me from my website at chrissygilmore.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-S-Y-G-I-L-L-M-O-R-E.com. So welcome to Voices of Resilience Radio. Hi, Chrissy. Thank you for having me. Are you okay to introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, um, my name is Mazza White um, and I live in Auckland, New cool. Zealand. Nice, nice. And um, so today we're going to talk a wee bit about resilience and what it means to you. And I'm just wondering if we could just jump right into it, if you're okay with that. And I could just ask you to tell us a wee bit about your background, if that's okay with you. Sure thing. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So when you're ready, um, maybe just let us know kind of, you know, anything that you want to share about why you needed to be resilient, I guess. Yeah. 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 <laughs> why did I need to be resilient? Well, I think, um, yeah, absolutely. I think why does anyone need to be resilient, really? I mean, what we have to, in my opinion, ask ourselves a question. Um, if we're living in a way that makes us unhappy inside, we have to ask ourselves, am I, am I, am I wanting to continue to live like this? Um, do I want to live with the misery and the pain that I'm feeling? Do I want to li live with the, for me, for example, was my anger. Do I want to live with my anger and this resentment and bitterness? Or do I want to be living a different road where I am a better, a happier version of myself, a more peaceful, a calmer version of myself so that I am benefiting. And as a result, my family and my friends and those around me that are close to me that I love. So I guess for me, what's always been really important is uh, to be happy, you know, genuinely the core, my core, the void inside me to fill that not happy in the ways of getting external gratifications, but actually inner um, peace. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's been important because I made that choice. I knew that I had, um, I, I could be, I, I could be either one or the other. And I chose to be um, living a life that requires a lot of practice, daily practice to keep me in a calm and a more peaceful and happy. And when I say happy, I don't mean that I'm jumping up and down with joy, skipping down the road, by the way, because mm -hmm. that doesn't exist, mm -hmm. but uh, grateful for right. the things that I have, grateful for the life that I have, which gives me peace. Nice, nice. So kind of like if you're a vessel kind of removing or replacing the anger or finding ways to shift the anger into something more meaningful for you and more positive, something that kind of motivates you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Nice. So, um, and, and because I'm a mother, so I don't want to, um, I don't want to pass whatever it is that's making me suffer, making my soul suffer for very valid reasons, by the way, which I'm more than happy to go into. Um, I don't want yes. those things to be passed down to my children. I want them to learn new ways that they can be peaceful and happy. Yeah. Nice. 
are you okay to share a wee bit about what happened to you if that's okay Absolutely. like not going into detail but just give context Absolutely. If I were to go into okay. detail, we'd be here for hours. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm sure there's a big story. Yes. Well, it really is a big story, actually, Chrissy. I've worked with a psychotherapist who I really adore, and she's really helped me along the way. And she, um, I have been diagnosed multiple times with... Um, Oh, hello, doggy. Sorry. <laughs> I think my dog, I think someone's going to walk my dog. So please. Oh, that's yeah, okay. Yeah. Sounds cute. It's going to get a bit noisy. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. No problem. No problem. I've got three cats, Chrissy. So we might be at, at war ends. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky your dad doesn't get to sniff the cats on me. Um, <laughs> so I've been diagnosed with multiple uh, complex PTSD and depression and anxiety so those are the things that um, have risen from events uh, traumatic events in my childhood which I don't have a problem talking about because I no longer feel associated with them I looked at let them from a bird's eye point of view but it's taken me a long time to get there Mm. So I am, I was born in Iran and I lived in Iran and I, I lived in Iran through the eighties when it was war with Iraq and that itself was traumatic living in a third world country that is war torn is, wow. you know, as you can imagine, um, would be, you know, you never know if you're going to see your friends the next day because there's bombs being dropped by the enemy's planes, you know? Wow. So that itself, the violence outside, but obviously it's a very oppressive, very repressive um, regime, um, fundamental regime that um, very much nurtured hate. So um, there was a lot of violence and, and in the outside world, but then what happened is there was a lot of domestic violence on the inside world as well. So, um, as a child, I witnessed a lot of that, um, and I didn't feel safe. So I didn't know that then, but now I realize how much safety matters for children. It is just the number one important thing. So then when we immigrated to Canada, I was 10 years old and, uh, I tried to integrate into society, but at that time in the mid eighties, Ayatollah Khomeini was making a lot of noise. Uh, Iran was making a lot of noise and there was a lot of lack of acceptance in school when I tried to integrate. There was what I would call racism playing right out. Uh, rejection. I was bullied heavily, called names um, like terrorists. My name was taken the mickey out of my, the, my color of my skin, you know, my hair, everything, you know, my monobrow. And so, <laughs> which I then went on to pluck right out. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, there was a lot of that going on, which today, in today's day and age, we are recognizing this as plain out racism. But at that time, it was just, you know, I just had to find a way to fit in and find a way to survive. So um, then we moved from Montreal to Canada eventually. And all of that was going on whilst the police were being called to our place all the time. And eventually my mom, me and my sister were moved out to a shelter um, women's refuge shelter and that's when my father realized he could no longer do that bless him I have no no ill feelings towards him he's passed now but I have nothing but love and forgiveness because I recognize he only did the best he could and he didn't know but he did change after that okay um, he uh, couldn't quite shake the uh, emotional and verbal uh, abuse but he did shake the the physical abuse. And so, um, yeah, so we moved to Vancouver and then I, I went on to change high schools several times each time 
reinventing myself as a more of what I considered to at the time to be a tougher, cooler version of myself involving a lot of alcohol, drugs and smoking and lots of boys and stuff like that. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much me. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's but, amazing. you know, in my 20s, I, I just, you know, consumed a lot of alcohol and wasn't just wasn't, you know, life was good in my 20s. I was living in England with a love of my life who's, um, who I'm still married to 20 years oh, later. So, lovely. Yeah. 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 It's interesting how, how we as humans, even though we might get diagnosed with all these different kind of you know, well, there's symptoms in my, you know, what I believe and who wouldn't feel the way that we might because of what we go through. And sometimes I wonder if, and there's research showing that a lot of the diagnoses, they don't take into account the trauma and Mm -hmm. it's not very empathetic because Mm -hmm. it's almost like it's, it's a quick way of saying um, that you feel, for instance, angry because mm-hmm. of what happened and you have, but it doesn't give the empathy behind it. Who wouldn't feel the way that anyone, you know, sad, anger, um, you know, grief, these things, these strong emotions because of going through really, you know, very not, life-threatening experiences, really. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just Yes, it, absolutely. Life threatening for sure. Yeah. And it sounds like I love how resilience is the paradox of what happens when we go through tough times and that post traumatic growth, how we grow and we become wiser and we have more, you know, we kind of find ways to allow more light into ourselves and shift the darkness. And mm-hmm. it's almost innate in us as humans. Um like how you're talking about you wanted to be more peaceful. Um, I think that is beautiful how humans do that. Um, we're just, we're shifting into the light. I think the Modi have a yes. really nice uh, resource. The, I think I might have, it's Tehiwa Moriora, and it's how we go from darkness to light and how even though we go from darkness to light, there's different stages, but we still... Um, there's always light within us and it's almost like every part of that, the, the stages that we go through they're they're there because there's something in that, that we get there's Mm -hmm. growth, even though we don't want anyone to go through tough times, but like we were talking before, sometimes there's that, I think when they diagnose people, they forget about the growth that occurs as well. And, and they put this deficit lens on people and Mm -hmm. that, you know, and that's why I think resilience is beautiful because it kind of shifts it, turns it around and goes, well, what's, it's not what's wrong with us. It's what's Mm -hmm. strong with us. That is what we can hold on to. And that's what we do naturally. And you, and it sounds like you've, you're, you've done that, you know, along your journey. Mm. Absolutely. I have, I have um, shifted a lot of my trauma into the light. Absolutely. hundred percent. It's something that I do, you know, like going to the gym, if you want the perfect body, you can't just go to the gym, you know, for 10 years and then be like, Oh, you know, I've got a great body. I'm going to let it go now because it will change. Mm. The body will work. 
Absolutely. Mm. So on a daily basis, I do have to have practice that makes me more grounded, makes me more peaceful mm. and conscious decision making um, that like anything that will, is this decision going to serve me in my path to my journey, path to light? Yeah. Mm. Mm. So what does resilience mean to you when you think of the word resilience? Like you, we're kind of, I'm just wondering if that's okay. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So for me, resilience means bouncing back from really um, bouncing back and continuing on um, striving for um, a better life. Mm. Keep going. Um, we're going to all going to, we all, every single individual that I meet, that you meet everyone that will have stories behind them. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine that there is anyone that doesn't have stories. Resilience to me means that we take it on the chin and eventually we shake it off eventually because i think that having a grief period for really bad knocks is really valid mm. um i think it's really valid to allow the you know time for us to lick our wounds before we mm. get back up and keep going but resilience to me is the process of after we've licked our wounds after we've gotten up finally dusted ourselves off we're gonna keep going nice. because again I don't feel that we really have a choice. It's either that Mm. or death sometimes for some people. Yeah. So, um, and you know, we know that their rate of suicide is really high in, in New Zealand. I can speak for New Zealand because I know of the rate of teen suicide. So for me, resilience is getting, um, you know, guide the right guidance because often we can't do it on our own to begin with and, and being open to that guidance so that we can, hope for change mm. Mm. Yeah, hope nice. is a big big thing actually and and can i just say chrissy that i honestly feel that as painful as each experience has been that i really feel trauma is gift wow mm. i think that we don't see that until later on when we look back in our lives and we go if it wasn't for that experience if it wasn't for those people that did that to me or if it wasn't for you know i wouldn't have the depth of knowing that i have now i wouldn't Mm -hmm. have the empathy i have now for people that are suffering the ones that i want to help like you yourself as a counselor you know who i really uh, admire i think it's you know it's really it's really a lot of people especially you know i know for sure that a lot of my uh, friends who are psychotherapists psychologists would have had some things that they've had to go through themselves and that makes them even better therapists Mm -hmm. definitely so when you say that trauma is a gift um like what do you want to talk more about that what do you mean by that sure how's yeah how have you kind of found that along your healing journey Uh, Let me tell you that I am 44 and I wouldn't have said this, that trauma is a gift on uh, before the last year or two. It's something that I've really come into understanding and knowing. Um, I am a very spiritual soul. I am not religious. I don't define myself as religious. I don't um, believe in a certain um, religiously defined God, but I do believe in God. And I believe that the God is the energy within us that connects us to each other. Mm. Um, I believe that our souls have a journey on this planet, on this earth, and that they are, we are, we have a job to do our purpose. And it's no coincidence that we were born into the life that we were born into, that our Mm. soul just chose that. It may be not, uh, it may not be aligned with a lot of other people's, um, 
belief systems and that's totally fine. But I do feel that this is a huge part of my resilience comes from my spirituality, which I've grown to practice more and more. Mm. And, um, it was no, no, it was no coincidence that I was born in Iran. It was no coincidence that it was war. I chose a time to get, come into this planet and in the midst of, you know, three years after I was born, the revolution happened and then the war started. Um, it was no coincidence that my father was who he was and my mother was who she was. I didn't see it at the time. I didn't see it at the time that I tried to take pills and end my life in my twenties. Uh, I didn't see it at the time that I, you know, that a bunch of girls in high school ganged up on me simply because of the fact that I was who I was. But now that I look back at it, those traumas were part of my journey. Some, some might call it a test. I don't like calling it a test because I don't think the universe is malevolent. You know, I don't think that it's out to get us. I think it's benevolent and I think that it's out to support us and our growth and our, uh, the Buddhists um, would call it the karmic journey, you know? Mm -hmm. So because of that trauma and because I had to work myself through it, I became a better person. And because I became a better person, the next thing that happened, and what I mean by better person is, is, is stronger, mm. you know, and more peaceful. And then once I worked through the next thing that happened, I became stronger, which is a better version of myself. And so eventually leading a path down to self-love, self-compassion, -comp um, self-forgiveness, mm. a practice that daily affirms that self-love and therefore loving others and not judging myself and therefore not judging others. Mm. It's amazing how that blossoms. Once that lotus flower starts to blossom inside you, mm -hmm. how much it radiates towards the outside world. It's, mm. it's, you know, it's wonderful. It is. Yeah. That's lovely. I love the lotus as well. Yeah. Well, it grows from mud, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, definitely. Have you had any thoughts or beliefs that you've had or you have now that have helped you? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, so I became more and more spiritual as I grew um, older. I, at the beginning, what served me was the very thing that could be our strength. It can also be our weakness. Isn't that wonderfully ironic? Mm. It's a bit of a paradox too, isn't it? Isn't it just, I just, um, you know, my anger, I grew to realize it wasn't until only a few years ago that I realized this great big anger that I had, which I developed because I needed to protect myself because I didn't have protection as a child. Um, my, my mom was very busy shielding off the abuse for herself. So I didn't have a very protective mother. So, um, and I had a sister and another female figure who was very, um, she was also abused. So she was passing that on to me. Okay. So, um, as I grew older, this anger that I had was very protective anger. So if a guy was ever rude to me, I would just be like, don't talk to me like that. You know, if, mm -hmm. if I saw any kind of bullying towards anyone, don't, you know, don't you dare, don't, you know? And then as I grew older, I realized that that anger that helped me survive all the years and, uh, and gave me a stronger personality so that men who were abusive were not attracted to me kind of thing, right? 
was the same anger that served me for a certain amount of time in my life, but then it was very destructive at the same time. And it wasn't until my late thirties, maybe even early forties that I thought I realized, Oh my God, that anger is actually my shackles of victimhood. Mm. The very thing that I thought was my strength was actually my biggest weakness because it was wanting to sabotage so many things in my life. It was my block. So once I recognized something like that, I thought, wow, wow, here I was thinking anger makes me strong, but actually it's actually fear based. Mm. It's actually because I'm so scared that I'm so angry. Mm. And it sounds like you were, you know, I think of anger as um, a feeling of injustice, something, something's, someone's done you wrong. And it sounds like in a way you could see that that was, that was misplaced, um, maybe in a way of protecting yourself because you had done, you had so much kind of done wrong to you when you were younger. And it was, it was making sure that it wouldn't happen again to you or to others. But it sounds like, yeah, that it was, it was, it wasn't done in the right way. Absolutely. You're You're absolutely, you nailed it. So, I mean, I still get very angry at social injustice. Don't Mm -hmm. get me wrong. And I think anger is very healthy when it's in the right doses. Mm -hmm. But for me, it was explosive. So if I, if I compare anger to light, like to fire, because to me, it feels like fire. It's a candle that brings beautiful moods to a dinner, or it can be heat in your fireplace that warms you and comforts you, or it can be an explosion. Oh, that's lovely. The varying, yeah, yeah. The varying degrees of anger can be very much in support of what you need. That you know, it could be a catalyst to change, or it could be, you know, something Mm. that is destructive. So Mm. yeah, absolutely. So it's when I, you know, like my psychotherapist once gave me another beautiful metaphor, like a sub personality that is no longer serving me as like an employee that is kind of out of order a little bit and you kind of, you know, you can't fire them because you need them. But at the same time, you need to have a chat about what behaviors are accepted at work, acceptable at work. Right. Huh. I like that. (laughs) Yeah, that's nice. And it sounds like kind of, you know, anger might be kind of, there's a, that licking the wounds underneath it kind of feeling really hurt. I wonder. hundred percent. Yeah. Cause I know when I'm, when I feel angry, an injustice definitely and I think it's a, a true emotion and at the bottom of that is is I feel hurt Absolutely. sometimes there might be yes. a little bit of that in there yeah and fear and fear that's a good yes. one mm. so you asked me about my belief system so um that was one thing and I have this this analogy that I um believe in that I kind of envision we have two trees in our side in our in our spirit in our minds one is the tree of love and this tree grows beautiful fruit that feeds us and feed other feeds others because it's our tree. So, you know, um, I eat from it. It's juicy fruit. It fills me up. I offer it to you. I offer it to other people. Everyone's really happy and it's satisfying. And the other tree is a tree of fear. And so those are the main two core emotions, I believe, that we operate from that are exactly. the... Yeah. And the other tree does also grow fruit and it also does feed me, but it's rotten and it's got worms and it's, and it's, you know, it's yucky and I can still eat it, but I will get sick Wow! and I can still pass it to others and they can eat it, but they will still 
feel the effects of this rotten fruit, they will still get sick. And we don't get nourished like we do from the tree of love. So it's my choice which tree I choose to water that day. Huh. I really like that. So that's my analogy of my belief system. And again, it comes down to the roots. And those roots come down to self-compassion, self-love, self-forgiveness. And that is, for me, the basic, basic thing of always and always the internal inward looking, that's where you nurture yourself and that's where it grows from. So which tree and you know, yeah, it's so whatever I do for myself that day and what I do for other people, it's like I'm nurturing my tree of love that day. That's beautiful. I really like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Huh. It, it reminds me of how roots also kind of, come together at the bottom and sometimes um you know if there's male or female trees um they need to connect i love it how i live by this army base and i thought i don't know if it just reminds me of this and how there's this army base and the the it's been built since i don't know gosh i don't know after the world war ii or something i don't even know to be honest but they have fig trees And this whole block of houses, like quite a big block, they've got the fig trees and fig trees have male and females. Interesting. Yeah. And what, what I thought was amazing is some people have the female trees, so they have fruit and some people have the male trees, but no one is allowed, you know, people kind of generally, they don't cut down the fig trees because they know that they're all underneath this whole suburb of houses a small suburb all the roots connect with each other and yeah and it kind of reminds me of what you're saying and and I don't know why but it just I thought it was so graphic and um yeah so people share the female fruit with each other because some people have male trees so they don't have any fruit oh interesting yeah, yeah so it's like there's a connection underneath too and I wonder if I wonder if the fear tree would need that connection of the love underneath maybe. I love that. And I totally agree with you because Mm -hmm. the only way that we can, and and also I I will get to the connection to other trees because we are all connected, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, You and I are connected and, and, you know, because we're humans, but in born from the one energy of that connects us all. But yes, I mean, the only way, I look at, so I meditate quite a lot, Chrissy. I, and in my meditation, I do a very um, deep healing work. And I actually have started doing this with other people as well. But um, where I meet my little girl, my vulnerable child, oh, that's um, mm-hmm. and I work with her. And, um, and also the inner critic, which is another subpersonality, as you would know. Um, and I work with her mm-hmm. because just because that voice inside our minds that tells us we're not good enough or that we're, we're useless or a failure. I think everybody will know that voice. It doesn't mean that we just shut it up and lock it away in a cupboard. That is voice is born from the tree of fear, but that voice is just another child inside us that is scared Hmm. that we developed sometime perhaps in our late, um, uh, you know, 
um, single years or early, early teens, you know, tween ages, where it was trying to protect us, right? By putting us down, by stopping us from achieving something so that it kept us safe. But it needs love. Mm, big time. Mm-hmm. It needs love. So you're absolutely right in your in what you're saying in your um, imagery that came to you about the tree of love and, and fear being connected within us and with everybody else. I love that. It's so mm. true. Mm. I love that whole that whole thing about the trees. I'm just I'm going to yeah. use that if you're okay with that. That is. I just would love beautiful. that. Absolutely. Yeah. And so you've done a lot of things to help yourself on your healing journey: uh, counseling, meditation spiritual yes. spirituality writing yes what else have you done yeah what kind uh, of things have helped you you know i don't drink alcohol mm-hmm. i don't do drugs mm-hmm. um i and I, I think that's a if someone is really suffering from any type of mental unease i'm going to call it unease mm-hmm. um then i think it's really important personally that alcohol is removed from the equation Mm. because it's a depressant and it also uh, removes our ability to think clearly in between bouts of drinking. So Mm. um, it's also, it it doesn't go hand in hand with spiritual work because spiritual work is not to me, it's not going to a retreat in Bali and having cocktails, mocktails and having, you know, it's, I mean, I, I, it's wonderful that these retreats exist. I'm not putting them down, but that's not what it is to me. Spiritual work is really gritty really hard, really can be dark, really hard work. It's your hands get dirty. You are facing your shadows. Mm. And so, you know, and, and facing the shadows is not easy work. It's not all pleasant and sunshine and, you know, sitting there and sipping, you know, juices and, and all that stuff and doing yoga. And again, I'm not putting it down, but spiritual work is going deep, deep, deep into the center of the roots of the uh, fear tree and looking at the shadow self and asking it questions like, what is it? Why are you talking to me like this? You know, facing it rather than running from it, like Carl Jung said, you know? I like that. I really like that. And I like how you, you know, in the spiritual work, actually facing and talking to that, you know, that, that voice or that kind of person that you're experiencing um, in day-to-day life or depending yes. on what kind of situation comes up. Yeah. And also, like thank you. And also there is, um, you know, my work started with um, uh, various amounts of meditation when I was in my 20s, mm. uh, various amounts of counseling work when I was in my 20s, none of which I felt were effective, by the way, at the time, but they were. It's just, they were the beginning of my journey. And then it wasn't until I got pregnant with my oldest son. So 13 years ago that I was in New Zealand. We had only been here four months. We, my husband and I were together for a long time and we decided, yes, we're going to have a baby. But then it's not until you actually get pregnant. You're like, oh my God, I'm alone in a new country. I feel so alone, so lost. And this immense depression hit me because this fear of I'm going to be a terrible mother because what we, I mean, we only know what we learn, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> then my husband found me the psychotherapist who really, really helped change my life. Although mm-hmm. she will not take that credit when I tell her. She will, she will tell me it was me that did the work and it was. But finding a good therapist is so mm-hmm. important. Definitely. I agree. Yeah, big time. 
And, and, oh, go ahead. Sorry, and I was going to say before I forget, and I'm very pro-medication, by the way. I am spiritual, but I really, really think that finding the right balance of medication, if the brain is really lacking certain, like serotonin levels are low, I think it's really important. Mm. Really important. I think I think it really is, you know, I think that there's a negative thing around medication as well, and it really depends on the person Um you know, as a counselor, for me, it's, it depends on what the client wants. It's always about the client. What are your choices? What are your preferences? Um, you know, what do you, what do you think is going to help you? Um, Absolutely. I hundred percent agree with you because I used to be very anti-medication right. and I, and I am on medication. I am on antidepressants and I have been for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have friends of mine who are very spiritual, who tell me that really, it's really important. They ask me and it's okay. I really, I don't mind that they ask me. Um, and then, um, I am a, I am someone who believes in science and spirituality and I believe that they go well together. Nice. Um, so, you know, but medication doesn't work with alcohol. I'm aware of that as well. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's just, it's, you're absolutely right. It's just for me, the combination of these things work plus exercise plus meditation, you know? Nice. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 And it sounds like when you make that choice to feed, you know, to kind of eat from your tree of love, it sounds like, um, oh gosh, the thought just came, it just went. <laughs> I Sorry. heard that so much. I hear you. I'm like, what was I just saying then? I don't remember what I was going to say. <laughs> no, I hear you. Welcome to my world, Chrissy. Yeah. That's what I'm like. I'm like, did I even answer her question? <laughs> I know. I do that too. Yeah, definitely. It'll come to me. Yes. Um, but I, I do like that. What were you uh, I've just lost. And it. okay. you know what? And laughter, because laughter, you know, I can be very serious about life, but my God, like, you know, finding little moments of joy and laughing, it really helps, you know. I think so, yeah. And, and kind of, and making it part of your daily ritual, you know, because well-being is a verb and we need to, and you do this and keep practicing it. Um, and just like you say with, you know, if you want to work on your body, for instance, you don't just do it every, you know, you don't have a sporadic moment and then it doesn't do any, you know, it's, it's a progressive thing that we do yes. consistently. Um, yes. yeah, I really, I think that's really important. Um, Hey, so what, what do you think? Um, do you have any kind of words of wisdom or something that really helped you inspirational words along the way? Like you've given tons of, of, you know, gems here, but I'm just wondering for people who might be listening and something that helped you along the way. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I don't know if I want to, uh, if I feel that I am um, qualified in any way to call it words of wisdom for myself, but I will say that, um, you know, you're talking to someone who was a, in depths of depression, mm. you know, um, my husband will tell you it would have been, and not just that, but I was quite obsessive about certain things, like um, what someone said to me and how offended I was at that. And it would go around and round and it would torture me. And I would be like, she said this to me. She said that to me. I was, um, you know, as I said briefly in my twenties in London, when I was working on felt, I always felt on the outside, always felt rejected. 
Mm-hmm. And I, um, it drove me to finally take an overdose um, in my 20s in London. Um, also, uh, one cycle, I don't know what he was, if he was, a, I can't remember what his psychologist, whatever, whatever he was, mm-hmm. met me once and he threw a label of borderline at me, which I really dis- oh. distastefully rejected. And it's, you know, I, I really didn't appreciate that. Not because I'm putting anyone down with borderline, not at all, but I think it requires time mm-hmm. and it requires um, real in-depth conversation with someone with a patient before you diagnose them of something that is a heavy handed, you know? So um, what I'm trying to say, Chrissy, is that if you're struggling, if anyone out there is struggling to the point where they feel there is no hope, I really would like to say that there is hope. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if there is even one slither of ray of sunshine that is coming through the clouds, if you hold on to that, that is hope. Because if I was able to get around it, then I swear to you, you can do it, you know, and it really does mean making the right choices and the right choices mean finding someone who works well with you therapy wise, um, taking care of yourself with regards to eating well, exercising, sleeping well, reducing alcohol. If you don't want to give it up, that's fine. You know, Um, if you can some practice of meditation is so helpful, even if it's five minutes of like mindful breathing in the mornings to calm the mind. Um, You know, there is a place on the other side where other people's words don't offend me. You know why? Because I'm healed. Mm. I was only being offended because I wasn't healed. So someone else's words were something I was projecting and grabbing onto, you know? Mm. Mm-hmm. So there really is hope on the other side. And I really just resilience means you just keep going and going. And if you fall off the horse, that's okay. I still get depressed. I still get down, but it's a matter of it's manageable, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, and, and thank you for sharing all your words today and no your worries. story. Um, I think that it's really powerful and it sounds like you, you know, you've really done a lot of healing on your journey and um, yeah, there's so much, so much wisdom in what you've said today. And, and I think it comes out of being so open and vulnerable too. And I really appreciate you, you sharing that. Um, Absolutely. Today. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's about not everybody can face the mirror of truth yeah. because it hurts. But it really, we do need to, we do need to look inward, especially Mm. at a time like this, because if you're, um, if anyone out there is looking for happiness, it's not going to be fulfilled in a new car or a new house or a new, new wardrobe, makeup, boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, I mean, it will give you temporary happiness for sure, but it's not going to fulfill the void, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not going to fill it only inward work and reflection and you know what facing the truth can be hurtful but it's only a place where you can only go up from there that's right yeah we can we can build on those strengths definitely absolutely absolutely so yeah you all thank you so much for having me it's been a real honor to talk to you chrissy thank you i appreciate it yeah okay i'm gonna
Kiara. Welcome to Voices of Resilience Radio. This is Voices of Resilience Radio. I hope you found this truly inspiring and uplifting, and that you've gained some gems along the way of your healing journey. Remember to be gentle on yourself and go well. For more episodes just like this, please remember to subscribe on rss.com, Spotify, or from my website at chrissygelmore.com. I'd love to receive your feedback, suggestions, and you can provide this also on my website. If you'd like to be on the show, please fill out my Be My Guest web form also on my website. Keep shining your gorgeous light.